Good morning, fellowship family. How are you? If you're doing good, say I am. All righty. Well, uh, today we're continuing on in our uh, spiritual, our, our rhythms series, and um, today uh, we're looking at simplicity. And so when planning this Sunday, I thought, well, let's just be simple. And so I've had a frog in my throat for weeks now, unfortunately, so I'm going to need all the help I can get. And so these beautiful, this beautiful team up here is going to help me. And I want to ask for your help as well as we just sing together, as we worship the Lord together, and as we just focus on Jesus together. If you know it, sing it with us. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet. My Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound, his body bound, and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance here by heavy stone. I still and all alone. Just stand and sing, oh, praise the name. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore, for endless days. We will sing your Oh, the Lord. 
Time of offering. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, we're gonna sing a new song. Maybe, maybe new for some of y'all. Maybe new. Uh, maybe not new for some of y'all. I've never sang it here with y'all. But it's a song called Enough. And um, I planned this song. Um, I don't know a week or two ago as I was reading through um, the book. Um, if you don't have one of these, you can pick one up somewhere. I'm not quite sure, so I'll leave it at that. But Fellowship <laughs> does have these available, and they follow along with the series. But um, there was a paragraph. <clears throat> that um, made me think of this song, and I'll just read some of it. it. It is quite insightful to realize both excess and lack can cloud the mind, heart, soul, and life of a person. 
And continuing on, the temptation is to think that we, what we need is enough. It is certainly an important thing to consider as we practice the spiritual rhythm of simplicity. How much is enough? But again, what we really, what we really need is an issue of the heart and soul. We need contentment in God no matter the circumstances. In our hearts, if our hearts are simplified to the point of trusting and loving God in his ways, then we will have the capacity to be content in times of abundance and in times of lack. Why? Our worth, our value, our security, our peace, our purpose, our identity, et cetera, et cetera, are not attached to the external stuff. Everybody say stuff. <laughs> All the external stuff or even our circumstances. Rather, our minds, hearts, and souls are securely, simply attached to God. And, um, you know, oftentimes I've heard, uh, I, I think it's about 150 years old, but there's this gospel, it's called the Pro Prosperity Gospel. And um, kind of most of the time that teaches we need more and more. We need more stuff, we need more stuff, we need different circumstances. More stuff, better circumstances. And uh, then there's also another gospel that says you need nothing and um, you need to suffer, 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 suffer. And um, uh, well, the, the real gospel, the true gospel, Paul kind of let us in on this secret, but the true gospel is that whether we've got a lot of stuff or we don't have any stuff, whether our circumstances are desirable or undesirable, um, our contentment can be found in Jesus Christ, who Christ is who we are in him and who Christ is in us, amen. So this song's called Enough, and it speaks to that. I am not what I make, I am who you have made me to be. I am not what I've done, I am loved unconditionally. I am not loved by the measure of the love that I bring. I am not who I know. I am known by the King of all kings. Jesus, you are enough. Jesus, you are enough for me when
Christ is my firm foundation He's the rock on which I stand When everything around me is shaking I've never been more glad That I put my faith in Jesus You got joy in chaos Hey, peace that makes no sense So I won't be going under I'm not held by my own strength Cause I built my life on Jesus Though he's never let
give thanks with a great And just take a second and just in your heart, in your head, just give thanks to the Lord this morning. Father, we thank you so much uh, that whenever we get swamped by life um, in moments, that you've given us uh, somewhere to go, some where to stand and uh, that somewhere is someone and it's Jesus and so thank you for everything that you have, have accomplished uh, not only for us but in us and what you are doing through us um, in and through Jesus Christ so help us teach us help us grow in this secret of contentment in, in, in Christ Lord and we'll give you the glory for it pray these things in your name amen and be seated. Did you know uh, the people in Saudi Arabia? <laughs> they uh, they don't like Fred Flintstone. 
It's really sad. But the uh, people in Abu Dhabi do. <laughs> So dumb. <clears throat> <clears throat> Jimmy, yeah. do you know that my hotel tried to charge me $10 for air conditioning? That wasn't cool. <laughs> you know, there were two cows out standing in the field, and the first cow said to the second cow, moo. The second cow said, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> After a uh, unsuccessful harvest, why did the farmer decide to try a career in music? He had a ton of sick beats. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was thinking, <clears throat> all this tomfoolery, uh, when does a joke become a dad joke? When it becomes a parent. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy, mm -hmm. what do you call two monkeys who are on an Amazon account? Mm -hmm. Primates. <laughs> You're such a silly goose. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, yeah. Fellowship. Woo! Hey, what an incredibly high calling it is to love and to nurture our children in the Lord. And uh, it's incredibly fulfilling to be a dad, but we know that uh, it also exposes our need and dependence for a Savior. And it's impossible to fulfill this calling apart from God's grace. So today, I'm thankful for his grace to be a dad, and his grace is enough for you as dads out there. And I just, I just wanna say I'm grateful that we're not on this journey alone as dads. I've got so many men and fathers in my life, and many of you are in this room, that uh, encourage me as a dad and point me to Jesus and challenge me to keep my eyes fixed on him. And, uh, and, and Simon, you're one of those guys, and I just wanna say thank you to you Thanks, and all the men in my life who do that. You know, I've observed over this last year that there's been a stirring in the hearts of the men here at Fellowship to just passionately pursue Christ. And uh, I just want to say to all the men, come along with us. It's an exciting journey uh, to keep going, to reject the passivity in the world's ways, and to humbly but courageously lead our families uh, in, in the Lord. And so, um, man, I just want to say happy Father's Day to all you dads out there at Fellowship. Bible Church. Simon, happy Father's Day, buddy. Thanks, brother. And you got some great jokes, man. Hey. Fresh There's... material for the next service? Hey, by the way, the yeah. goal was that I wouldn't laugh at anything he said. <laughs> it's just, we had a choir, then we had that video, and I'm sitting here like, is this our moment? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can handle this. This is just weird, but it's great. <clears throat> hey, cheers. If you're a dad, just pretend like you have a mug. Anybody? Any dads in here? You got a mug? Pretend. Cheers. Can y'all give me a little? Okay. Yeah, I felt it. I felt that. Um, I just wanted to tell you guys, like, if you're in here and this is your first Sunday, <laughs> we are a church about grace and forgiveness. Yeah. And we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And we care about community. And we care about fun. And if you're here and you don't know anyone in this room, I want you to please you can do it this way, you can do it on our QR code, you can go to the back and see a real human being and talk to them face to face. Can't take you serious with these I can't do it. <laughs> Just take those off. I, I was wondering how long do I go? All right. All right. He answered that question. Yeah. So if you wanna go talk to a person in the back or come talk to us and we'll tell you a dad joke and I actually have a fourth one, I have to share it. This is my way to get it in. Come All on. right, here we go. What do you call, so if you come find me and you're new, I've got like 20 more of these, so I'm not wasting it. Come talk to me or Jimmy. We'll introduce you to our church. What do you call a fish with no eyes? Yes! yes! I'm gonna say it again, let's all do it in unison. It's like an amen. Hey, what do you call a fish with no eyes? Oh, that felt good. Can I get an amen? Yes. All right. So 
I actually need my sunglasses for this announcement. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This actually requires sunglasses. Have you, this summer, found yourself daydreaming at least five times a day for the past month that Fellowship Bible Church would have a night where we rent out a Rogers Aquatic Center full-on water park, open the concession stand, and have a party as a church. Raise your hand if you've thought about that. Yes! Raise your hand if you haven't thought about it, but you think, that'd be great. Come on. July 16th, we have booked the Rogers Water Park with slides, kid area, all the fun stuff. The only money you'll bring is for concession stand. Can I get an amen? 6.15 to 9.15, we will all be there at night, partying together as a church and being a community. Please feel free to invite any friend that just popped in your brain, any neighbor, any coworker. If you're new, what a cool way to come meet us and be a part of this. So come be a part of that. Also, we have a, I don't need these <laughs> anymore. All right, student activity fund. This is a way that you, the church, us, the body of Christ, can help students afford to go to camp. Do we all agree like life is getting more and more expensive? So in this month, just this month, the month of June, you have an opportunity to give to the fund that's right behind me. You'll be able to go and there's a QR code. You can go find the student ministry team or find Caleb Freeman and ask about this, but all of the money you put in here for just the month of June will go to help give scholarships and go help lessen the price for retreats and events because we want, we do not want money to get in the way of students going to camps, right? So please help with that. And on that note, we've had a lot of fun with Father's Day, but I just, when I think about Father's Day, I think about my friends that are fathers, but there's also two other people that pop in my head that I think sometimes we don't acknowledge. I have become good friends with some single dads, and if you're a single dad out there who's just trying to figure it out and trying to make it, I've watched my friend, I've prayed with my friend, I've also thought, man, like, I can only make it two nights when my wife goes out of town, and I'm making it on DiGiorno pizza, and I feel like I'm crushing it, but I look at these single dads, and I'm like, you are really doing something that I respect, and I'm so for you. So if you're here and you're a single dad, we're for you. We're, we wanna be your church. We wanna help you. Bring your friends that might be single dads and let us be their church. Also, if you have lost your father, and this is a hard time, um, we would love to just be a church that loves on you. And so if you're out there today, go, who knows what your dad's going through? Go hug your dad, go FaceTime your dad, um, pray for your dad. And then if you have kids, go be with your kids. Love them, be a dad. Be present with your kids. It's something I'm speaking to myself too. Um, Jimmy, mm -hmm. I would love to pray over our church. Mm -hmm. And you are a dad who has lost your father. And I love you, and I'm gonna pray over you and pray over everyone else, okay? Yes, bro. Yeah. Let's pray. Join <clears throat> me. God, I just wanna extend your words. Uh, you say that you do not give us a spirit of fear, but you give us a spirit of power, of love, and of self-control. We pray that you give us that today. You pray for us not to be anxious about anything, but with everything, with thanks and petition to give all of our prayers to you. And you'll answer that and give us a supernatural peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. We pray for that to happen right now, this morning for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day to all of you. I also have a mug that is superior to Jimmy and Simon's mug. I don't know if you've heard, but I was actually awarded in 2019 Father of the Century. So that goes all the way back to times of the end of the First World War. And so don't be jealous. You know, if I could give a gift, if I could give a gift to you dads, out there, my gift to you would not be a mug, and it would not be a fishing rod, it would not be a 
new golf club or a new tech gadget, the gift that I would give each of you is a clean garage. (laughs) Ah. Take it in. Feel the tranquility (laughs) and the peace that comes with everything being in its place and nothing left there by your kids or maybe a female that leaves in your home. (laughs) Now, I know for some of you, you don't even have a garage or maybe your garage actually looks like this. Your garage isn't a place of peace. It's a place of clutter. It's a place of lost or misplaced items, unorganized madness. For you, your garage is a place of stress and, just to be honest, disappointment in yourself, in your family, in your life, and you don't want to go out there. But don't you deep down in your depths of your soul long for the peace that comes with order. If that's what I could, if I could give you a gift, that's what I would give you today. Today, we're actually going to be talking about the rhythm, the discipline of simplicity. And let's let the garage illustration carry us on into the sermon. So let's start with a point of evaluation. And this is not just for you dads out there. This is for everyone. Which of these two garages best represents your heart or your life? Which one represents the way that you're living? Because I know for many of us in the room, we could be described as a busy people living a hurried life. We're frenzied and overcommitted. We're striving to accumulate and to accomplish And we've got a full calendar and a long bucket list and our hearts and minds are often crowded by clutter and too much noise and too many notifications. And we've got little room and little margin and little space for rest or for loving people or for loving God. And at the same time, you can cut the Zen music. That's driving me crazy. (laughs) And at the same time, we want more. We want more. We want to do more. We want to have more. We want to experience more. And yet our hearts remain unfulfilled. And many of us experience discontentment or lack of peace or loneliness or even depression in life. Outwardly, it may look like we're living the good life, but inwardly, many of us are stressed out or we're weary And often this is caused by too much stuff or too many commitments or too much busyness. Our counseling offices are full. Our mental health concerns are commonplace. And it seems like we might have gained the whole world, yet it comes at the cost of a part of our soul. So today we're gonna focus on a different kind of spiritual rhythm. In fact, it may not be a practice that you've ever thought about as a a spiritual discipline. We're gonna focus on simplicity. Simplicity is a practice, it's a pathway designed to lead us to deeper intimacy with the Lord. When we pursue simplicity, we're trying to declutter our lives. We're trying to create room for God to work. We're setting priorities, establishing what is of highest value, and then we're pursuing those high priority items at the cost of other options. Simply put, simplicity calls for us to say yes to priorities and to say no to things that are distracting or detrimental or unnecessary. Now, why would we wanna do that? Why would we want to pursue simplicity? Well, it's so that we can fulfill our God-given assignment to love him with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength and then love others well. And maybe if we do that, we'll find contentment as well. A.W. Tozer said this, 
The simplicity which is in Christ is rarely found among us. In its stead are programs, methods, organizations, and a world of nervous activities which occupy time and attention but can never satisfy the longing of the heart. Simplicity is a rare jewel in our busy and hurried culture. And my hope is that today, in our time together, you'll be challenged to find a way to say yes to what is most important and no to things that create noise or distraction. For those of you who are just joining us at Fellowship, we're in a summer series entitled Rhythms. The goal of this series is to foster spiritual intimacy, more depth in our heart for our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're trying to help you grow in your faith by developing some holy habits or some sacred routines or some godly practices. And over the last few weeks, we've discussed the concept of spiritual growth or spiritual formation. And then we've looked at two rhythms so far, the rhythm of prayer. Nick Rowland joined us. And then last week, John Barclay talked about the rhythm of fasting. Today, we'll look at the rhythm of simplicity. On into the future, we'll talk about God's word or confession or a number of different habits that are aimed at helping you develop some depth in your relationship with God. Simplicity is aimed at removing distractions, taking away noise, removing clutter that threatens the priority of intimacy with God. We're just trying to create some margin, trying to create some space where we can pursue the God-ordained priorities that he has given us. And here's the key thought for the day. Are y'all ready? Living with less creates space to know Jesus more. Living with less creates space to know Jesus more. With fewer things competing for our hearts, our attention, our focus, we can find some margin to intentionally pursue our relationship with the Almighty. Simplicity makes room for deeper spirituality. You could say it this way, in the king's economy, less is more. When it comes to soul care, we lose our life to truly find it. So let's begin with a story. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. In Mark chapter 10, you're gonna hear a story of a man who desired a right relationship with God. He desired to connect with his creator but he was unwilling to create room in his heart to do so. I'll pick up the story in verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. He said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Now, the man in this story is often referred to as the, the rich, young ruler. Well, why is that? Well, we'll soon learn as we carry on in the story that he was a man of great wealth, but we have Further detail about this man from what we call the Synoptic Gospels. The Synoptic Gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They borrow material from each other and cover many of the same stories. In Luke chapter 18, we learn that he was a ruler. And in Matthew chapter 19, we learn that he was young. So we'll put those three things together. This is the rich, young ruler. He was a wealthy, young executive type. And he was insecure about his eternity. And this insecurity resulted from his improper theology. He believed that heaven was earned through good works. We see that evidence in his question. He said, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus challenged his faulty perception of good. Being good is not measured by human achievement, but through the proper relationship of the only one 
who is good or perfect, who is God himself. And Jesus answered his question by listing five of the 10 commandments. And the man sincerely believed that he had kept them perfectly. And so in his economy of earning right standing before God, he was on track. Back to the story, look at verse 21. Jesus is going to reveal the man's true status before God. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And at, the man, at this, the man's face fell. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. After hearing the man's claim of righteousness, Jesus looked at him intently. And he saw into the heart and the soul of the man. He saw beneath the surface of the man's claims of righteous religious activity. And the text says that he loved him. He loved him. He saw his deepest need and was willing to address it. He lovingly pointed out what the man was lacking. One thing he lacked was unrivaled allegiance to God. One thing he lacked was that he did not have undiluted devotion to the Lord. His love and his commitment to his money and his possessions had become the top priority in his life. His wealth had become his God. And ultimately, the young ruler trusted in his money above all else. And so Jesus commanded two things of him. Sell everything and give it to the poor. And then come follow me. First, remove the obstacle of false worship in your hearts. Turn away from your love and trust in material possessions and wealth. And then wholeheartedly give yourself to the cause of Christ. Jesus was asking him to work from the inside out. First, it was a call to remove the idol in the young man's heart. The things he placed in higher position than the Lord. And then secondly, he called him to an external action. To downsize. To simplify to rid himself of his possessions, to impoverish himself and follow the Lord. It was a straightforward ask. If you want to worship me as God, then cast away all false gods. Remove anything that you would value more than me. I cannot sit on the throne of your heart if it's already occupied. And the man was saddened because he was unable to let go of the one thing that took priority in his life, and that was his money. He wouldn't give up his kingdom in exchange for God's kingdom, and he went away. He remained rich in this world without hope in the next. Now, for this man, selling all was the appropriate requirement not all of us are going to be asked to sell everything we have and follow the Lord, but we are asked to not love or cherish or trust in anything above Jesus. This was a call for inward simplicity, to simplify the desires of his heart. The man needed to reorient his priorities. He needed to alleviate a crowded heart. He needed to create space for King Jesus to rule and to Reign in his life. He needed to live with less in order to know Jesus more. He needed to prioritize love and trust in the Lord. And ultimately, he was unwilling to do that. Jesus could only be second place in his life. Now, before you assume a self-righteous posture towards those who were wealthy... Just know that the struggle to prioritize the Lord can be equally found in those who have less. Now let me show you this passage in Matthew chapter 6. It, it, in this passage, we'll see people struggling to put God first because they have too little. Look at verse 31. It says, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first, top priority, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. 
Each day has enough trouble of its own. The wealthy man had too much. Here the worried people have too little. They were too consumed with their anxiety and their worry over their lack of money or possessions or provision. Therefore, they could not prioritize the Lord. It was a different circumstance, but the same problem. They were allowing their worry and their pursuit of security to take top priority in their life. And both the wealthy man and the worried people were missing the same thing, putting God first. Each was struggling with a crowded heart. They weren't allowing simple love and trust in the Lord to rule the day. And that's where simplicity starts, is it's an inward reality. It works from the inside out. G.K. Chesterton said this. He said, there's two ways to get enough. One is to accumulate more and more. And the other is to desire less. And in the pursuit of simplicity, we're attempting to desire less in order to know him more. Well, is that true? Is having less really a pathway to knowing him more? Well, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus said something that would have been startling to his audience. I mean, Jesus wasn't trying to necessarily make it easy to come follow him. Hear these words. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will what? Lose it. It's upside down thinking. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world? and yet lose or forfeit their very self. Following Jesus calls for self-denial, not self-fulfillment. It's a very countercultural thought. He encourages saying no to the things of the earth in order to embrace the things of heaven. In the kingdom of God, less is more. Being willing to lose your life is actually the prerequisite for finding it. And Jesus taught that it's actually possible to gain everything your heart desires, to have every dream you've ever wanted fulfilled and still lose your soul. This is mind-blowing stuff. The concept is simple. Living with less creates space to know Jesus more. Okay, Sam. I can see what you're talking about here in theory, but what are some practical ways to work this out? Well, that's the danger of preaching, is that I would give you a standard that Jesus is not actually asking you for and tell you things to cut out of your life. I use myself as an example and go home really happy about the way I live. And I'm not gonna do that for you. I can't specifically dial this up for you and how to live with less in order to know Jesus more, but I will give you four categories to consider. Can I do that? I know that you want me to tell you what to do. Well, I'll just give you some things to think about. Can we agree on that? All right, first one. How about your calendar? Have you ever thought about just doing less? That's not the American way, is it? For many of us, we're so busy. There's little margin for pursuing our God-given priorities in life. We're up early, burning the candle at both ends. By the end of the day, we're so tired, we feel like we barely made a dent in our to-do list. And part of the problem is the calendar is too full with too many good things. And this is especially true for you families who are raising elementary age, junior high and high school age students do you ever feel like you're just chasing your tail out there? Anybody? You're, you're like a dog. You can never spin enough circles to catch your tail. You're, you're chasing after the wind. When Amy and I were raising young children, we felt like we were more uh, chauffeurs than we were parents. That we were like cruise directors, just telling them what all the options were. And we were struggling with the chaos and the busyness and the calendar. And it all began to feel like a burden. And I don't know if we did the right thing, but I'll tell you what we did. 
we had a family meeting and we told our children, you can sign up for one activity at a time and you have to take one season off and just be a kid and ride your bike. And they were so mad at us because it meant they couldn't play all the sports and they couldn't join all the classes. But we were just trying to create a little room so that we could have dinner together. And maybe every once in a while attempt a a family devotion. It was our way to try to tamper down the busyness. You've got to figure out your way. Or how about this one? Consider the category of your possessions. How about owning less? Now that's very countercultural and anti-American. You know, material possessions are a blessing, but they do come at a cost, time and finances and worry. I heard someone say one time that that the only day better than the day you buy a boat is the day that you what? Sell it. Those sound like some boat owners. (laughs) I've never owned a boat. I've got a kayak. It's not a huge burden. (laughs) But I kind of get the sentiment here. At one point in our lives when we had all the teenagers and college students, I owned six cars. I'm not bragging. I'm actually depressed about it. I felt like I was at the DMV more than I was at the dinner table. My stack of insurance cards was like a deck of Uno cards. I felt like I was always handing one out. Our possessions can turn the tables on us. What we pursued to get satisfaction can begin to be a drain on us. Last week, I had a lunch with a friend. And 18 months ago, he retired, sold his company, and he bought the Dream RV. I mean, this thing was swaggy. And he loved it. Um, and I, when I was talking to him at lunch, he had this big smile on his face. He goes, hey, man, I sold the RV. <laughs> he was so excited that it was finally off his lot and off his books and off his insurance and off his to-do list. I, I don't know. You got to figure it out. But could, I'm just saying, could owning less create room for other priorities in your life and free you up to be more Generous. Third, third category. How about commitments, less obligations? Amen? Now, I gotta be very careful here because I'm in a nonprofit world and it's actually my job to ask you to commit to the church and pick up an obligation. So when I say all this, I'm talking about everything except fellowship. <laughs> you know, many of us are overloaded by our obligations. We've taken on so much responsibility that it begins to drain us. We're on committees and boards and we have memberships and timeshares and ball teams and dance teams and vacation clubs and they all come with meetings and emails and dues and events. And we've forgotten two little words that can free us from all of that. I can't. You just say no. I I can't commit to that. I can't sign up for that. We need to learn to say no to opportunities that don't deliver a healthy rhythm in life. How about this fourth category? Uh, This would be the category of media that we have less screen time. Another way to to simplify is to downsize your digital footprint, to unsubscribe, to turn off notifications, to log in fewer times, to reduce the size of the stream of media and messages coming at you each day. So here's what I would want you to do. I'm not going to tell you exactly what to do, but how about you take these categories and just evaluate your life? You may not find something in all four categories, but you may have one that you're like, we need to triage in this area right here. And maybe, maybe take some bold steps. Richard Foster, you'll hear his name a lot in this series. He's written a lot about the disciplines, especially simplicity. He says, simplicity is an inward reality, so it starts in the heart. Remember the rich young ruler. That can be seen or evidenced in an outward lifestyle. So you start by uh, setting your priorities, but then you take action steps. You go without, you say no, you turn off. Now, for some of you, this kind of thinking, this idea of simplifying your life is very difficult. In fact, you probably have some emotions within you right now. Why is that? Well, maybe you have some barriers to the rhythm of simplicity that are in your life. Maybe you have a severe case of FOMO, the fear of missing out, the thought of having less or doing less. You can't bear the thought of your kids missing out on an experience or having a certain possession. Or maybe it's actually the fear of silence. For some of you, the thought of actually having room to contemplate the deeper things in your life 
is what you're trying to do by crowding your life with all of these activities and commitments and possessions. Being busy is actually your strategy for not going before the Lord with your lack of peace and contentment and purpose. That thought of uh, Psalm chapter 46, verse 10 that says, be still and know that I am God is very intimidating to you. So you fill your life with stuff so that you don't have to sit before the Lord. Or maybe you fear not measuring up. For you, comparison is what drives you. It drives you to own more, to do more, to keep up with the family down the street. And you definitely wanna make sure that your children measure up with their peers. Or maybe it's your fear of discontentment. Simplicity scares you because you don't see how having less could ever deliver satisfaction in your life. You've spent your whole life accumulating and consuming, and this whole line of thinking just sounds weird or upside down to you. Foster said this, that when it comes to simplicity, the wonderful thing about it is it's actually, it has the ability to deliver us contentment. Because simplicity creates space for the big ticket items God's purposed us to pursue. And here's my final thought. It's not about just removing things. See, that would be the rhythm of abstaining. It's about replacing those things with big ticket items from the Lord where we can be restful, pursue spiritual health, where we can be intentional, pursue relational health, where we can be charitable, pursuing material health. Living with less creates space to know Jesus more. Hey, here's how I wanna close. Can we close in a time of prayer? Would you bow your heads with me? And he's gonna come out. It's just gonna be him, his guitar, you and the Lord. And he's gonna sing over us. And I wanna ask you three questions to consider this morning between you and the Lord. First question, is there anything in your life you'd be unwilling to let go of? And I'm not talking about a relationship that's important and an assignment from the Lord, but an activity, a possession, something in your life. What if you had a rich young ruler moment and the Lord asked you to let go of something? Is there anything you'd be unwilling to let go of? Second question. Is there a God-ordained, high-ticket priority in your life that keeps eluding you? It's something that you know God wants for you and you desire it, but you don't have the space to see it become a reality. Third question. Has the Holy Spirit given you an aha moment this morning where an action step in the area of simplicity came to mind? And do you need to follow him in obedience there? Well, Lord Jesus, this discipline, it's different. It's not something we're used to thinking about. So help us wrap our minds around losing things in our lives in order to find it. And Lord, I pray that you would speak clearly to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I just sang another song. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. And I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry And I forgot that you're enough Take me back to where we start I open up my heart to you I'm caught up in your presence I just want to sit here 
caught up in this holy moment and I never want to leave I'm not here for blessing Jesus you don't owe me anything more than anything just want you, I just want you, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do, I just want you, nothing else, nothing else. Nothing else will do, but I just want Jesus, you are enough. Jesus, you are enough for me. With nothing, I still have ever Jesus. Are enough for me, Jesus. We sing, You are enough, Jesus. You are enough for me. With nothing, I still have everything, Jesus. You are enough for me, Amen. In Christ Jesus, we've been given everything we need for life and for godliness. And in Christ Jesus, we've been given every spiritual blessing. Jesus is truly enough for us. The Campbells are gonna be over in the prayer room if you want prayer today. If not, I'm gonna pray and then we'll be dismissed. Lord, Father, I just thank you so much for taking care of us and loving us the way you do and thinking about all the stuff life would have to throw at us and giving us a rock on which we could stand. So we thank you. We pray these things in his name, Jesus. Amen. See y'all later.